Can I get you to introduce yourself so I can check your microphone? I am Mark Morris, a.k.a. Baron Morath. Do you want the long introduction or the short introduction? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been playing Star Trek? Well, I originally played Trek when it first came out when I was a young boy, and then all the other games got in the way, and then I've since come back now and focus all my efforts on 2nd Edition. So you started playing 1st Edition. Yeah, yeah. I remember my first starter deck, or it was actually a funny story. We actually convinced my sister to buy a starter deck, and she got a rare Jean-Luc Picard and pretty much locked this thing up in a titanium casing because it was so quote-unquote valuable. And I actually came across that same Jean-Luc Picard. It's sitting here in my collection. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Outstanding. Did you play <laughs> just casually, or did you play in tournaments? Yeah, it was just uh, just casually. Uh, Keith Morris, my brother, and uh, maybe a few of his friends had pretty much started out, and we would just hang out on weekends playing, never in tournaments or anything like that. So what brought you... When, when did you get back into second edition? How long ago? So... Um, I've only been playing again since um, maybe about a year now. Um, I think Keith has been pretty active, and he kind of convinced me to play some games with his cards before I had any of my own. Um, and I've always been a huge fan of CCGs, whatever. This one just seemed great. Um, and since then, I've gone on to mass quite a collection and uh, and continue playing actively with Keith over Skype. So, All right, so... Where, where are you located? Uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Way up north. Canada. That's towards the western side, isn't it? Yeah. I am the second province in from the west coast. How? Are, are there any... Let me, let me just... Are there anybody else... <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Is there anyone else in your area who used to play and is back playing again? Uh, there is, actually. I've, I would manage to, uh, to locate another player. Uh, TK Solway is his handle. Uh, he actually had left his information on the Trek CC website, and I sent him a private message, just made contact with him. He showed up to my last tournament. Big help, helping teach some of the new guys how to play, and he'll be active with, uh, with the continuing process, I think, of building this playgroup. Well, that's, that's really what I want to talk about, because it's amazing to see so many people getting back into the game, or looking to build uh, groups to people to play with because there are a lot of people more so with first edition than second edition that they're isolated they live in an area that's you know four or five hours away from anyone to play with and yeah, it's, it's kind of a struggle to find people to play with i mean 90 percent of my games are played over skype <laughs> well hey it, it's better to play online than nothing with a, exactly but, exactly I know that you've run at least one tournament, and you're working on a couple new ones. So, what what did you have to do to recruit some players, and and what kind of challenges did you face? So, the starting a new figure phase, I guess, started with uh, with me saying, "Okay, where can I find players?" And I started with, "Okay, family. Let's start with family." And actually, one of the active players that I found, well, quote unquote active, who's been out to the tournaments, is our cousin uh, Jason, who has played. Uh, CCGs and board games and everything with us for a long time. I said, you want to try it out? He said, yeah, let me try it out. And he's So that, that was the immediate thing. Family. Start with family. Then I say, okay, friends. How many of my friends might be interested in playing this game? And I managed to get a couple of them. Now, the alley that I think I'm going to explore next, well, I'm actually already exploring is public, 
because our next tournament will be held at a comic book store instead of just my house. And I've asked the store owner if I could put up a little flyer that says, come on out, try it, try it if you want to try it. So I'm hoping we'll get a few interested that way. Um, but the other angle is coworkers. Um, in the software development world, you find a lot of Trekkies, a lot of people who like CCGs, a lot of Magic players, that kind of thing. And uh, my problem is, though, is that I love, I love sitting in the Trek chat room. Uh, I'm in there all day long on the company dime. So I've been kind of eerie about which coworkers to tell about this game because I don't want to get back to my boss that I'm slacking off or anything like that. So it's kind of a that's that's a hurdle I'm about to tackle, I think. So all right, obviously it's it's probably easier to get a friend or a family to try a game than it is somebody in the public. But even so, what do you have to do? How do you sell the game to them? How do you get them to try it out? get them to get interested in it to the point where they're willing to, to join the community and actively participate? Uh, okay, so I guess the first step is ideally you want someone who's a Trekkie. Somebody who likes Trek. Uh, it's the easiest way to sell them on it. But I've also found that just general strategy gamers. Uh, one of the guys I recruited, his, uh, he's active. He loves like the access and allies and the risk and those kind of things. And I kind of showed him that you know there is a lot of strategy in this game too. Your dilemma selection... And, uh, and maneuvering that way. And he was kind of drawn to, okay, cool. And then, um, I don't know if you've played Dominion. It's the new board game slash card game that's out there. Uh, we affectionately refer to it as the gateway drug to CCGs. So it's, uh, I find people that love that game are more willing to try this other game. I say, you know, okay, well, Dominion, you have 10 cards to choose from. What if you had 1,000 cards to choose from? You know, like you could make your own deck totally separate from what anyone else could have yet the cards will still interact the same way. And they kind of that's another draw that people will kind of take interest in that way too. So you you sit down with a friend or a coworker and you're going to get them into the game. What how do you show them the game and what do you highlight and what do you not highlight about the game when you're teaching it to somebody? Um my wife criticizes me for being a bad instructional uh board gamer. You know, I'll kind of jump around all over the place trying to figure out what, what line my uh, my potential player would like me to take. But I find with Star Trek, I'll just start out with, okay, you've seen the show. Cool. You have a ship. You have a crew on the ship. And they go and do something every day as, as an episode. They'll, they'll go on a mission. So that's what you're going to do in this game. It's basically how I sell it to them. I say, you're going to build your crew, any anybody in the Trek universe you want. You know, if you want Quark and Nog to go out and do a mission, you can do that, right? So it's, it's up to you. And... Uh, and that's kind of, I say, it's up to you what you want to play. And I think that's another draw that you can get some players in with. Um, build, the, build, the, build the Star Trek episode you always wanted to see is, is something you can kind of sell them on to. What things have, and you've been just, you've been teaching second edition, right? You're running, right now, yeah. you're just starting yeah. to get into 1E again, but you've been recruiting for second edition. Right. What What type of questions are you getting about the game or the support that the game had? So, um, the first time I had uh, a few friends come over to try out the game, uh, Keith was in town and we just kind of said, come out and come out and try this game. And, uh, we tried to just use virtual decks. We said, okay, we're starting a new player group. Why don't we say, Hey guys, check this out. You're not going to have to spend any money. All the cards are virtual. We'll just, we'll stick to virtual format. No one of us will have any more of an advantage. The problem with that is that I made all the decks that we used that day. And some of them had more complex mechanics than beginners may 
me feel comfortable or understand even. Um, I've since discovered that using the combo box, uh, premier combo box, there's lots of those on the internet, they're pretty cheap to get, and you just do a sealed draft, the players will get a starter deck of their choice affiliation, and then we just do a quick draft and we get the more cards to supplement that deck. So if a player wanted to play Klingon, it, it, the option is there. I didn't have a virtual Klingon deck, and so I found new players are interested in fighting Klingons, assimilating Borg, like these things that are kind of quote-unquote cool from the show that maybe they don't have access to. So I'm trying to work at an angle that way of, of building decks that can do that, that I can hand out and say, yeah, you, what do you want to play? What do you want to, you want to see the Borg assimilate Earth? Cool, I'm going to set that up for you. Here you go, here's your deck, here's your cards. Um, here's the website. Look at what new virtual cards can supplement your deck so you change it up so that I don't know every card in that deck. That's, that's another draw, is that I don't want to beat them all the time. You know, like, I'll throw a game, sure. Um, I think I have yet to do that, but if, if, I, if it's necessary, I will, uh, sorry. Damn it. Rampant kitty attack. <laughs> Random cat attack. Uh, what was I talking about? Um, throwing a game, if necessary. Right, so, um, you can, you can throw the game if necessary, um, so that the player's they win, right? And everyone feels good about winning. And Oh, that's what it was, is that by giving them the deck and saying, this is how you can go and change that deck so that I don't know the cards in there, um, it gives them the option to come back and beat me with the deck that they built of themselves, and which I find most players will find way more enjoyable. How much of a factor is the low price point to play the game for your, for your new recruits? Uh, a lot of the guys I used to play CCGs with dumped a lot of money into these card games, like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, uh, Magic even, and, and we just, we got burned. A lot of these guys have boxes of cards just sitting at their parents' house, just sitting there, right? And uh, and they say, you know, like, that was a huge investment. We think back to how much was spent on cards, and some of these guys just say, well, I don't, I can't commit to that. I, I don't want to start playing a new game, because that's a huge financial investment. And so I like, I really like that, that we can say, well, let's do a virtual format. Here, I'll tell you, here's five bucks. That's going to bring you a deck at the staples. So. And having played a lot of virtual decks, I mean, is, is it, is virtual only fairly fun? Is it balanced? How does it work? Virtual only can be fun. Um, it's easier for new players because there's a, a, a limited card base, especially for dilemmas. Um, one of the players who first introduced the game, he says, look, I'm an old man. I don't got time to go and memorize a thousand cards to know what I'm going to play against. And I said, well, you know, like, you're not going to do that. Nobody does that. Um, my first 10 games, there was always a new dilemma that's, oh, I got to get that dilemma. That just kicked my ass. You know, like you're always learning what other cards are out there. Nobody expects you to memorize every card. But when you play a virtual format, the, the, uh, card base is, is much more limited. So it's easier to know what you're going to be up against. You know what the strong cards are going to be. Um, so for a new player, it's, it's faster that way. Okay. Hang on one second for me. So what feedback have you gotten from your new recruits about the game and the continuing committee that we can use to teach, to help other people out there that are trying to build player groups? Mm. Um, so some of the, some of the feedback has been, uh, I know one guy said to me, he's like, okay, that's great. I love the game. I don't have time to build decks. You know, like, I, I'm a new dad. I got a busy job. I'm not going to be able to build new decks. So where does that leave me? And I said to the guy, well, you know what? I'm more than happy to help build decks for you. 
you know, like we could focus on one specific affiliation. We'll just make that your deck. You know, we'll make it better every time there's a new expansion. We'll make that your deck. So his his feedback was kind of, I really want to play, but I don't have the time commitment. And I said, well, that that does kind of suck because there is kind of a, I'm I'm always making new decks. You know, like there's there's always a new deck to be made. And if you don't have that kind of time, then maybe you wouldn't enjoy it as much. Whereas like a board game, you can just sit down and play it. You know the game; it's going to be the same game every time, right? You know your strategy. Um, does does the archive of deck lists we have help that at all? I don't know that any of these guys have looked into that, um, and maybe I I haven't even suggested it. Like it's a, it's a great idea is actually just to say, look, there's decks out here for examples. There's decks out here that you can even print off. Um, it might be some way that I'll go, and that's that's great. That's something I hadn't even thought of. Okay. What what else do your guys say to you? Um, the guys generally like just hanging out. Um, it's kind of a more of a social aspect than the actual game, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a good draw, and that's that's the friends that I like having play the game with me because we're just hanging out for the afternoon. You know, uh, nobody takes it too seriously. It's not over competitive. And it's just, it's casual, and I think a lot of the guys are drawn to that. That it, it's not, uh, we're not uh, running trials or anything, you know? <laughs> so how how regularly are you running either casual play events or sanctioned tournaments right now? So at this time, uh, we're actually in the drive up to what will be the second official tournament in Edmonton uh, coming at the end of November, uh, which will be another sealed draft uh, with combo boxes, same idea. So really, we've just had the one day that was kind of casual, teaching a few guys, and that was that was more of a lesson for me to see how well I could teach players. Uh, and then we had the one tournament with a few new players there, and a, a lot of them kind of said, well, I might have a friend that want to play. I might have a friend that want to play. I said, okay, cool, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to try and do tournaments once a month. We're going to start easy once a month. If you don't make it, you don't make it. There'll be another one next month. Um, so the commitment's not huge. On the other hand, though, I don't want I don't want these guys to forget how to play. So, you know, I want to encourage them to come every month uh, with prizes or whatever it takes to draw them out. And, uh... Okay. What what can the Continuing Committee do to support you and anyone else out there who's either trying to build a player group or has built a player group and is trying to expand it? What can we do as the Continuing Committee to make your life easier? Um, I'm thinking maybe, uh, a specific page, like trekccg slash underscore newbie or something like that, that filters out a lot of the excess information that a new player might get scared off from. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, sh- when you show up to the site, there's a lot of, a lot of information there and I love it, you know, but a lot of new players aren't looking for that. They're looking for something simpler. Like, where do I start? Um, I think I remember reading an article that said, you know, oh, welcome to Trek. Here's here's what you're going to want to know, you know. Here's a virtual starter deck. Why don't you try it with this, you know. Um, so maybe a page or something like that that I could actually just direct them right to, say, here's everything you need to know, um, starting out. We have a, um, there was an excellent article series written several years ago for Decipher that we recovered and, and updated. Uh, either last year or the year before, called Into the Final Frontier. And I'll link it in the show notes for this, but it's um, it's like a seven-part series that tells you what you need to know. And this is for second edition, but it tells you what you need to know to get into the game and, and how to build a deck and, and, and goes from there. 
And I'd really like to do the same thing for first edition so that we have, you know, a landing page that actually has beginner content on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just a, a subtle thing, like a, a button that says, are you new to track? Click here, you know? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure that we do get players that stumble upon the, the continuing committee's website just by looking for the game. You know, I used to play, I'm looking for it. Oh, I, I searched track CCG and I get, I get brought to this site. Oh, what is this continuing committee? I don't know what this is. Yeah, we're number you know? two on Google. <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> the first one is the Wikipedia link, which they, for whatever reason, refuse to link to us. And then, right. and then, uh, we're second on Google. So if you Google Star Trek CCG, we come up. So. Right. So you'll, you'll show up on the website and you'll say, Oh, continuing committee. Cool. I, I don't exactly know what that is. You know, like there's no specific set that says, this is what it is. Well, I guess there's the about us. Um, might have something, but what uh, what I steer away from or, or dislike is that to get a lot of the information, I have to direct players to the forums, you know, and I know in today's day and age, everyone reads forums, but not everyone reads forums, I guess is basically what I'm saying. You don't want to have to sift through how many threads to find the specific information you're looking for. So I don't know, I mean, each person is different, What how they learn, you know, like, I know I usually let Keith sit there and read the rule book and tell me what I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, I love our forums. I love our community. And I, I've been to other forums for other games where you wouldn't even, if you come in and make a simple, hey, I'm new to the game post, you'll have, you know, 10 people jumping down your throat laughing at you for asking a stupid question. Yeah. And we don't do that. We don't have that. But I, I do understand in fact, more more often than not, when a new player posts, they get five or six replies saying, hey, welcome to the game. If you're near where you live, you can come and I'll give you free cards type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Like, the community is incredible. And and I think it's, the, it's that other side, though, is that other forums you go to, you get you get flamed for just saying, hey, I'm new, that people have been turned off of forums in general. Like, they just, they might not even click the forum link. They might, they might visit the continuing community website several times. And never click that link because they're not interested in going to forums, you know. So, so the first and obvious, most obvious thing that we should probably work on is is reorganizing our content to be more new player friendly. It couldn't hurt, um, but as not a new player, I like the layout. I've gotten used to it, you know. So you kind of have to navigate that the right way. <laughs> Understood. What what other types of things would you like to see done to make your life as a new tournament director and recruiter in a developing area easier. See, as I'm, as I'm coming into the advertising to the public, you know, phase of my recruiting, I'm just trying to think like if I could get the comic book stores to promote it or something like that, which they may not do because they may not have any merchandise left. You know, it's a, uh, what do I get out of this mentality from those guys that I don't know if there is a result. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not offering a solution. I'm, I'm more presenting the problem. <laughs> well, have you have you thought about, I mean, combo box, you can probably get a combo box, say, 20 bucks. Maybe 25 shipped, I don't know. Have yeah, I get them for about 30. Okay, 30 bucks. Yeah. That's, and there's eight, eight decks in there, right? Yeah. Have you thought about having, you know, players go, to, like, giving, basically, I mean, you, you kind of eat the cost this way, but. It, I don't know, and not everybody could do that, but if you just gave the combo box to the, the store and said, here, eight people can play, five bucks a person, 
give them one of these and two of these, and then the store is going to make money that way. And right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the other, I mean when, when we used to play in our store, they used to sell Star Trek a lot, and then we kind of stopped because the game, you know, went out of production or, or whatnot. But um, we always bought sleeves and bought food or bought other games while we were there. I mean, you, you got to support the store you're playing in. Even yeah. if they're not selling your product, they're probably selling something. I bought every time okay. we had a monthly tournament. I'd buy at least a couple packs of sleeves, if not more. So. <laughs> yeah. So the the tournament at the end of the month this month is going to be at uh, Wizards Comics and Collectibles in Edmonton, and this is uh, a comic book store that I used to work at way back in the university days. Um, so I'm pretty close with the owner, and I kind of I just said it to him. I said, "Well, I would like to use your store, and I know you're not going to get much out of this, but I can guarantee you that somebody's going to buy sleeves, somebody's going to buy a card box." I know that's not a lot of incentive for you, but I also really want to get the foot traffic. And he says, well, you know, that's that's cool. I'm, I'm totally down with it. So I, I don't know if that's every store owner will be the same way because I kind of know this guy personally, um, but we can we can see where that goes. Um, the worst thing you or I mean, the worst thing you could do is not approach that car, comic book store. Yeah, there are there are, there are enough troubles with the, with the economy down and everything for, for game stores and comic stores. If you're not taking away business from some, like, if there's a big magic tournament or Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like that, they're, they're absolutely going to tell you to piss off. But if, if you're trying to schedule on a day where there's not anything really going on in the store, more, more bodies in the store isn't really costing the store anything. And, exactly. you know, if you start buying stuff, they're going to make money. But, you know, compared to, you know, you got to spend 50 bucks in a store buying sleeves and stuff, and somebody might pick up comics versus every Magic player spending 25 bucks or buying boxes. Yeah, it's not, it's a no-brainer. So it, if you're willing to work with the store owners, I would imagine most store owners would be willing to work with you. Yeah. And, I mean, best-case scenario, you recruit the store owner as a player, and that that's a possibility. Right? Oh, absolutely. I know that's been that's been done in the past before, too. So. All right. Um, is it... You you you're fairly new to the game. Is it is it still difficult to find cards if you want to if you choose to make the investment in physical cards? Is it how is it to find them? Um, I do still struggle with it. Um, I recently the the player that I found in, in Edmonton here, TK Solway, uh, when he showed up to the last tournament, I had he actually brought a lot of traders for me that I that I needed like abundance of cards. And luckily enough for me, I have this big stack of one e. Uh, but I'm willing to just trade off for, you know, whatever you got for 2E. <laughs> so I kind of did that, and that, that kind of got me a lot of the necessary evil cards that I hadn't been managed to get, get a hold of. Um, there are still one-off rares that I'm always hoping will be the next virtual promo. You know, like, uh, I am I consider myself thinking outside the box, and I'll come up with some crazy combo. I'll see a new card. Somebody will link a new card that I've never seen before and say, whoa, I got a great idea for that card. Now, how do I get three of that card? You mm -hmm. know, and it, I've looked at eBay. I don't know if four dollars ish for a card is basically what I see. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. So if you if you do have the money to invest, you can get the cards you need for a reasonable price. Um, and of course, buying by the case would be ideal. Um, but I find you're paying sixty, seventy, including shipping, for just a for a, for a box of uh, these are the voyages, or whatever, whatever it is you're looking for. Oh, absolutely! But that's not—that's still cheaper than it was when it came out, and it's still cheaper than most other games. 
And yeah. there are at least four websites off the top of my head that sell boots, sell boxes. You know, we just picked up a sponsor, Miniature Market. Right. And yeah. they, they sell boxes fairly, fairly cheaply. So players can get into the game with physical cards if they need to. I mean, you, nobody can get Necessary Evil and Fracture Time and Reflections, unfortunately, but... Uh, or, you know, you can't get motion pictures or Blaze of Glory for winning, but you can get product if you need to. So, I mean, combo boxes for tournaments, that's that's a great idea. So... I, I really like the combo boxes um, because it's a good it's a good base. And, I mean, I, me personally, I don't even have that many from the Premier set. So every time these new players, you know... I see what they draft or whatever. I say, come and see me afterwards because I'll trade you ten to one ratio for those cards because I need them. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a double double bonus for me. Win win. I get a new player. I get some new cards. <laughs> now, how are you using? You're just doing sealed draft, right? Yeah, sealed draft. So um, one player will open a starter of their choice, um, and then we'll we'll draft three packs around the table. So that you can more focus on your affiliation, and uh, if you want to branch out after that. I mean, the last one I had at the turnout was five players. Uh, myself, TK Solway, and three brand new guys. And what we ended up happening was uh, TK Solway didn't need the cards. He says, here, you're going home. Bring this starter deck with you. Bring this deck that I built. Bring that home. Teach your girlfriend. Teach your buddy. Uh, try that out. And we just ended up using the rest of the eight starters and packs to supplement all the players to bring home two decks so that they could introduce it to another friend, which I found was a really handy, uh, really handy effort. I mean, a couple guys tried with their girlfriends or, or wives, and I haven't heard anything yet, but I don't think they've recruited another player yet. At what point would you consider adding in virtual cards to the mix there, to sort of expand the card pool but keep it limited? Um, I think I'm, I'm already at that point, but right now I'm looking at cost. Um, I'm more than happy to print, 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 cut out, cut out, cut out, and hand out as many of these virtual cards as I can. And I have the 1E cards to give them as backers, or even, uh, I forget who it was, they mentioned putting a virtual starter on top of an actual 2E starter. We did so that at Gen Next Con. One. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. So I, I looked at doing that. The, the problem I had with that was that, obviously, and it keeps happening, is that each virtual deck I make is more and more complicated. So I need to maybe just look at the the generic ones that are up on our site, and uh, and see if if those might be more new player friendly than what I've been coming up with. Well, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm asking is when when do you advance from we're running new player tournaments to we're running tournaments so that you you know you guys can take your deck now and and go tweak it with some virtual cards and come back and play. Like when when do you elevate so, from a limited format to a Slightly I guess, less I guess limited. we'll use that as our segue. Uh, January 2nd, uh, Canadian Nationals will be held, and that it will be a standard format. So after this uh, this next tournament at the end of November, I'm going to tell these guys, here here's the resources, uh, here's my phone number, here's my email address. We are going to make that deck you just played with top tier by January 2nd. So you can play and win Nationals, you know, right out the gate. It's kind of that's the way I'm working towards it. So, as far as when do the virtual cards get introduced? Right away, 2011. As soon as I start running tournaments in 2011, they will probably most likely be standard. And and any new players we recruit after that point, I will probably bring extra decks for. So, Canadian Nationals that'd be the first Canadian Nationals in the continuing committee era. When and where is that going to be again? 
This will be held, we're actually going to hold it the first weekend of 2011. Um, right now the plan is for J January 1st, we're going to hold the 1E uh, Nationals, and January 2nd we're going to hold the 2E Nationals. It's going to be held at the University of Alberta campus. Um, what what We're just going to use a common eating area of the Student Union Building. Um, I know for a fact it'll be open during the Christmas break, um, so the student flow will be lessened by the Christmas break. Um, and there should be plenty of plenty of room to use it. Uh, it's also a central location, easy to find on maps and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a good location to use, and we're not infringing on any business or anything like that, too. Do you think you will have, uh, like, regionals this year, too, and, and, you know, come up and start participating in the Road to Worlds, perhaps? Uh, that's the plan. The plan is uh, for, for me to make the trip to Worlds of Gen Con. I'm still working towards getting that totally cinched down, but uh, I'm starting to play it off as maybe a 30th birthday present. If I can get maybe my parents to play, pay for the plane ticket, nobody nobody can argue with that, right? Absolutely. Um, as for regionals, uh, I know that uh, Keith kind of holds that near and dear for now, um, but as my player base grows, I might just steal it off him and force him to fly out to Edmonton if he wants to participate. That's, that's the problem with our region, is that uh, it's pretty vast. Uh, three three provinces in, in, in Canada is it's a pretty big chunk of land. So it's pretty diverse to have such a large region with such a small player base. I mean, <laughs> we're lucky enough that we got the first two players or three players in the region, you know, let alone. Yeah. Well, so. maybe maybe we can split that up somehow. Maybe they need to be different regions so that, because, I mean, if you have two player groups that are that far apart, each one yeah. really deserves a regional, so. That might be that might be the case, too. Maybe we'll have Zindus West regional, Zindus East regionals. No, <laughs> Hey, you never know. <laughs> yeah. A bit of rivalry restart. No, I like the fact that uh, out in Winnipeg, where Keith is, uh, is close enough to the Fargo playgroup. Uh, I made the trip down with him uh, just for a regular uh, league league play down in Fargo. Uh, had a blast meeting those guys down there. Um, and I like that they, they go vice versa. When we held the regionals in Winnipeg last, or this year, uh, a couple of the guys from Fargo came up for that. So we were joking about having a, a Canada Cup that would go back and forth between those two two locations, you know. If uh, if the players from Fargo come up and win, they take the cup home. Players from Canada then go down and win. They bring the cup back up, that kind of thing. So oh, I like it. It's it's yeah. We could get into something like that. Um, my drive now is to get a good solid player base in Edmonton, um, and especially pushing the Nationals, Nationals, Nationals. Um, I want I want these guys to be proud, you know, represent Canada and see how many of them I can actually get to go to Worlds with me. You know, we'll make it a, a birthday party trip. They can all use that excuse too, say, oh, we're going to celebrate Mark's birthday and we got to go to Gen Con <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see if we can get them all going. Hey, uh, if, if you put up $10, $10 US a week from now until Gen Con, you've got $400 saved. Ten ten dollars U.S. What is that? Uh, Eight dollars Canadian today? Oh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty much worthless. But as the U.S. dollar drops, it's more and more tempting to go. So it's uh, it's actually really good. And and uh, I might convince my wife to go down and do some shopping. But we'll see with the with the newborn. I don't know how that'll work out. Hey, you never know. You always got aunts and uncles and grandparents that always love to take care of the baby for a while. One, especially once it gets out of the. Once the child gets out of the crying every two hours phase, right. and they can start spoiling <laughs> maybe, maybe. spoiling the child, yeah. <laughs> Abundance of grannies and grandpa, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, one of the things that's going on for November is the organized play review period. 
Um, yes. What what's been done is they put up we've put up a special forum and, and a series of threads for everybody to have the chance to talk about organized play issues. Uh, I'm curious how you, as somebody who is fairly new to the game and is recruiting new players and who really hasn't played in, in a lot of high-level events, view that process and what some of your specific concerns are. I, I love the way it's being done. Um, you know, put it out there, put it out there to the community, get the feedback. And, and I'm just, I'm reading these threads like crazy to see what do other players, you know, what do they have to say? Because as I'm running my tournaments, I'd like to know, you know, what what can I do better, even even just by organizing it a little better. Um, so, I mean, first off that, but I'm also sitting there reading it very closely because as I'm organizing nationals, I need to know what the results of this will be. <laughs> so there's two reasons I'm, I'm following those threads very closely. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of feedback to provide uh, because I have been in so few tournaments. Um, I've been in maybe a couple sealed drafts. Uh, we did the uh, infinite diversity draft too, um, and the regionals and, and maybe a few other standard tournaments. But the player number of players has never been more than six. So um, as far as heats or, or anything like that goes, I, I just don't have any feedback and I wish I did. I wish I, I could help. Um, the only the only benefit I have is I used to run a video game tournament. And so that's kind of like, running tournaments is fun. You know, it's yeah. good to see, get the competition going and everything like that. And you never really want, you never really want the players to leave, I mean, confused at why they did or did not win, you know? And I think that's kind of just, if I have an opinion, it will be towards that end. You know, nobody should be confused why or who won and didn't win. Understood. Cat still sounds unhappy. So. <laughs> he just showed up, popped to my left there. All right. Um, I mean, do you, how important is the opportunity to participate in these processes to you? Or is it something that you would rather just be dealt with by the volunteers in charge and not something you have to see? Uh, some parts, I'm, I'm all for somebody making an executive decision because um, as a community grows, you'll get more and more voices and eventually you get more and more opinions. So finally, somebody needs to say, we're going this way. You need, you need to have somebody that will ultimately say, great, I've taken all your feedback. This is what's happening. And you need, you need that person to be able to stick to it, uh, stick to their guns, you know, like, no, and not waver on their decision. Um, if it's the rules committee or organized play, you know, who, whoever is the guy in charge, maybe it's multiple people, um, it's the fact that they are taking the feedback seriously, you know. Absolutely. I can assure you that the feedback is, is going to be taken seriously. And, and as has been mentioned in the past, you know, all of November is the chance to make suggestions and ask questions and participate in the discussion. And then all through December... We'll be running a survey with, we'll, we'll take the options that are practical or reasonable and put them in a survey for everybody to participate in. And then in January, we'll, we'll take that data and we will collect the data and, and compare it against, you know, our resources and we'll update all of our policies and procedures. And then we'll be ready to start regionals. So, and it'll all be community driven. So. Yeah. 
I really, I really like that the aspect of letting the community decide. You know, it's it's really cool, voting and that kind of thing. Um, the of course the catch catch twenty two to that is that you make sure that everyone is participating. Everyone who has an opinion. You know, it's like the old saying: if you don't vote, you can't complain, right? So mm-hmm. I hope that everyone takes the opportunity to vote. Oh, I I agree. I think that uh, you know it, it it can be frustrating when people want things done their way, but they don't want to advocate for it or participate in it or anything like that. So, Well, it's like someone like me who doesn't have necessarily any ideas to provide, I'm sitting there anxiously ready to vote for someone else's idea. You know, every time somebody else posts a new idea, I say, oh, I really like that. I I can't wait to vote for that idea, you know? So it's, it's ultimately, there's two ways to contribute. It's one, to provide an idea and two it's to actually say which ideas you like absolutely all right well one of the things that i have been doing the last couple weeks that i want to do is we're going to do a random card review okay what i'm going to do here is grab my dilemma pile and i'm going to i have a sitting next to me i have a three headquarters dissident discard deck and i'm going to grab its dilemma pile and shuffle it and I'm going to grab a card, and we are going to talk about <laughs> all-consuming evil. So, oh, I love that card. All-consuming evil is the first Will of the Collective card, which was designed in 2008 by the entire community of players. Uh, it's it's obviously been a very popular card. What do you think of this card? This is this is absolutely one of my favorite 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 dilemmas, um, to the point where I had based a deck entirely around using all-consuming evil as many times as possible to remove anthropology and telepathy. I think was just to make my antecedent assassins successful. Um, it was just consume the entire dilemma pile until all you had left was antecedent assassins to play over and over and over, knowing your opponent had no anthropology or telepathy because you all consumed the evil out of them. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and so, uh, go ahead. No, you go, no. Sorry, you go ahead. Um, the other, the other great part that I that I came across is, and I and I pulled in a pack earlier on in my collecting days, uh, Ghost Stories, uh, which has since been errated. Um, so it is virtual, printable. If anybody wants to give it a try, uh, Ghost Stories, what it does is it allows you to turn any dilemma into a persistent dilemma if you're not familiar with it, um, which lets you get the dilemma back when when opponent finishes mission. So with all-consuming evil, uh, you can consume it, um, and rather than having it just never come back again, you turn it into a ghost story, and uh, and you bring it back each time the opponent finishes that mission. So fun little fun little combo that I made with that card. Yeah, and uh, I don't know a lot of people. I don't know if they know this, but it was one of our first alternate image promos as well, because. Uh, there were two images that had almost the same number of votes back when we were making the card. And the the one that won is on the actual card in the expansion, and the one that we all really liked that got close uh, became an alternate image. So you you can uh, you can check that out. Um, I, I think it's just, it's a great story. It, it's kind of harder to play now I mean, it, with it's actually Archer. It's favorite but... quotes from Star Trek itself. You know, Data, something's got me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such a good episode. It's, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> it's harder to use now with Archer running around, but as the meta adjusts itself again, it, 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 it's it's a natural card in any tragic turn deck 
and it's just a, and it, it was new and it was innovative and it was very exciting. And I still think it's a great card. Well, you mentioned Tragic Turn, and and obviously Tragic Turn is a, is a good a good uh, a good consuming dilemma. But I find that maybe all consuming evil can be used in non Tragic Turn dilemma piles. It's just if you have uh, any consume consume dilemmas, you know, not necessarily focusing on it. One one of my favorite uh, one of my other favorite dilemmas is that uh, repressed message. Which is a, uh, a consumed dilemma that lets you use your opponent's dilemmas. Yeah. Uh, when I when I first started playing virtual, or first started playing, I guess when my my card base was limited, I was forced to use virtual dilemmas, and I I fell in love with this, uh, um, you know, repressed message, um, because my opponents would use gum to and things like this that I didn't have access to. I didn't have these good dilemmas, so I said, well, okay, I'm going to use yours against you. Oh, this card has a consume on it. Well, I guess I'll throw in some consuming evil. You know, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about we haven't already covered? Any questions you have for me? I am not sure. It's fine if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I I just wanted to, while I have the opportunity, is to is to thank you. I didn't actually manage to get feedback on how great is Charlie Plain. Uh, that thread that had been started, Chairman's Review. And, and I wanted to say, you know, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, it's making my job of recruiting new players a lot easier, you know, with the always there to answer the questions I have and uh, and always able to provide the feedback is, is one of the things I love most about it. So I'm taking the opportunity to plug Charlie Plain. Well, thank you. I, I am happy to do what I do because of guys like you. And, and <laughs> I, I want to keep playing this game until I physically can't. So, the more people we recruit, the better. We're going to have to set up a retirement home for all these guys who just want to play. <laughs> Sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks for joining us, and have a great week. Thanks again. Farewell, bunny home. Farewell, a little cry. All my ship, she always to bear me across the sea through the smoke and the cries I disappear.